Okay. Well, uh, shortly, you'll hear our top five Oscar speeches, but I thought we would begin with a couple dishonorable mentions as opposed to the honorable ones. Uh, we thought that'd be a little bit more fun. So um, I'll go ahead and uh, go first with uh, probably one that makes many top 10 worst Oscar speeches, particularly when it's the list is created by a queer person. And that's uh, Sam Smith and uh, Jimmy Napes uh, winning for best original song for Spectre. Um, Smith uh, demonstrated a lack of knowledge when it comes to Oscars history and film history and uh, reading comprehension when um, they probably just read the headline by implying that they were possibly the first openly gay person to win an Oscar. Uh, Smith misquoted, misparaphrased Ian McKellen, who specifically said that no openly gay actor had ever won for best leading actor in the history of the Oscars, despite many straight actors winning for playing uh, queer characters. Um, there have been several people who have been openly gay, queer, who have won Oscars. Um, in the acting categories, John Gielgud, uh, one supporting actor in the 80s for Arthur. He was, it's my understanding, he was out in certain circles, but he wasn't exactly public with it. Um, Linda Hunt, also winning a supporting actress, was um, known among certain people uh, to be a lesbian, though, again, I'm not sure how public she was. Uh, Jerome Robbins, another person, now, he was living in the 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, so of course he wasn't as public as he could have been today. Uh, in fact, could have been very dangerous for him to be out in such a way. But um, another known person who was queer, uh, Stephen Sondheim, Elton John, Melissa Etheridge, Bill Condon, Alan Ball, Dustin Lance Black, Pedro Almodovar, just a few people who have been um, openly queer at the time of winning their Oscar. So um, sorry, Sam Smith, you are not the first. Ooh, she came with receipts, though. Look at that. It's funny. I actually totally forget that Sam Smith won an Oscar, despite that awful moment in time that he had um, because of that. And plus, two. I mean, that really should have been it could happen to you. I'm just going to mm-hmm. put that there. I agree. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I didn't I honestly forgot that he had won. So I, did, I don't have my honorable dismensions, but I do have two. Um, the first one that I have is actually Jennifer Connelly winning for A Beautiful Mind. Here's the thing. If you are nominated for an Oscar and then you win, normally you are truly happy and it shows. Apparently the story goes that Jennifer Connelly broke up with her boyfriend or her boyfriend broke up with her on the ride to the Academy Awards. Therefore, when she got up on stage, she actually didn't even accept the Oscar. She told the presenter to hold on to it. And she pulls out a piece of paper. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing I hate more than a speech for an award ceremony that is written down on a piece of paper. Talk about non... um, It just feels like it's very rehearsed. It's not in the moment. Um, That's number one. Number two, I'd like to thank everyone who ever had anything to do with my life. And anyone who will have anything to do with my death. Just like, she didn't say that, but like, that was her tone throughout the entire thing. And it's just, it's very disheartening. And it almost feels like a slap in the face. Not only is it a slap in the face for category fraud, but I mean, go back to that episode and you can hear all about that. But it just feels like a slap in the face of the other nominees because it just feels like you don't appreciate it. And you know what, Jennifer Connelly? I don't appreciate your tone. So honorable dismension number one. Okay. 
Uh, my second honorable dismention is Melissa Leo uh, when she won for The Fighter. Um, she seemed to have forgotten that the movie had already wrapped production and she didn't need to be acting anymore. Um, <laughs> seriously, I don't believe her in this speech. Her fake surprise that she won, I mean, come on. She spent so much time and money to get that Oscar and it paid off. Um, look, I dig her performance for the most part in The Fighter. I mean, if you heard our episode on 2010, you know that I don't dislike her performance in that film, but her whole like, oh wow, there are people up there in the balcony moment. It just reads so fake to me. Her accidental F-bomb, I also don't buy. I mean, she knew what she was going to say. She knew she was going to win. I don't believe that she didn't have a speech prepared to the letter. Um, I also think she has uh, a bit of nerve saying that it's about the res about respecting the work and honoring the work when she didn't exactly let the work speak for itself. It was the work on top of this self-financed campaign. Now, I know that's all part of the game and the whole don't hate the player, hate the game thing, but her faux shock uh, really turns me off. Um, she knew she was winning. I'd have more respect for her if she got up there and acted like it was a slam dunk, honestly. So Melissa Leo uh, is my number two dishonorable mention for the fighter. I want to comment on yours really quick too. I always, I never understood, like you know she was trying to have one of those big Oscar moments where she got really loud. She's like, it's about the work and selling the tickets. And like she's expecting a giant round of applause and mm -hmm. gets crickets. Like it's so cringeworthy. I know, it's like you watch the speech and it, it looks like she is trying to give the best Oscar speech of all time. She wants to give the speech that makes the top 10 best speeches of all time list. And it's so fake to me. It's like she truly was performing when she won that Oscar and uh, it's, it's not my thing. Just get up there and be yourself. And honestly, if she'd gotten up there and just owned it and just knew that she had won it partially due to her campaign i i want to say that there's a there's a world where she could have won based on the merit of the performance alone because it's not a bad performance whatsoever but um given how dedicated she was to pulling this whole thing off it's it just reads very fake to me this this fake surprise that she had as the hilarious julie haggerty once sang in just friends be yourself <laughs> If you've seen the movie, you'll get that, guys. Um, okay. So my second dishonorable mention is actually Dustin Hoffman for Kramer versus Kramer. Remember when I mentioned you can't be boring in a speech a la Jennifer Connelly? This is the first one that I think of. Like, he is so monotone. He talks for what seems like 20 minutes. It's actually like way too long and he just goes on and on and on like he is the second coming of christ for actors um it's and it, again it's just like this monotone thank you this movie was great and it, it's just the whole speech plays like that and it's just it's so annoying it's so not genuine it's so I don't know how else to describe it. It's just bad. It's b -b -b bad. Um, so yeah, Dustin Hoffman, Kramer versus Kramer. Okay. Well, uh, shall we get to our top five then? Yeah. Now that we've okay. dragged some people through the mud. 
Yeah. Well, I'm going way back for my number five. Um, I'm going back to Leo McCary's uh, Best Director win for The Awful Truth in 1937. Wow. So I have not seen the speech, but I've read about it. And um, I've seen the film, and I've also seen the other film that he mentions in his speech. So... um, so he has two movies that year, The Awful Truth and Make Way for Tomorrow. And he felt as though the Academy was rewarding him for the wrong film. He thought Make Way for Tomorrow was the superior film, in his own opinion. It was a deeply personal film, a tribute, in a sense, to his recently departed father. And it's actually a very political film in a deceptive sort of way. It's not ex- explicit in its politics, but if you keep in mind what was going on in the country pre-World War II, with FDR and the social changes that were in the process of being implemented, uh, despite right-wing pushback, uh, it's got a lot to say about the very serious troubles uh, that a subset of the American population faces, uh, particularly elderly people in this case, and um, troubles that if things like Social Security and Medicare failed to ever come to fruition in the years to come, um, could have become very, very nasty for um, old people. So um, as an artist with something to say, McCary felt as though this love story about a couple in their 70s facing a very unique uh, type of hardship in this movie, Make Way for Tomorrow, uh, was the more important achievement as a director. And his acceptance speech for The Awful Truth reflects that. And um, I really respect that. And uh, he's not alone in his opinion. Um, I've read that Frank Capra uh, John Ford, George Bernard Shaw, and Jean Renoir were also fans of the film. And Orson Welles has said that Make Way for Tomorrow is the saddest film of all time. I don't know if I'd go so far to say that, uh, but it's definitely devastating. Uh, Wells said apparently that Make Way for Tomorrow could make a stone cry, uh, which is pretty hyperbolic, but it's a cool little line. Um, Make Way for Tomorrow also doesn't play like an old Hollywood film. It feels vaguely foreign in a weird way. Um, In fact, Ozu took great influence from it and used it sort of as a blueprint for his movie Tokyo Story, which a lot of people consider his best film. And uh, I think a lot of the reason for that is McCary pushed back against studio interference and insistence. Uh, He refused to cast big name stars in the movie. Um, He cast character actors instead, which I think helps elevate the movie's emotional honesty. He also refused to change the very solemn ending, which in my opinion is beautifully done. Um, It's a devastating little movie and I can see why McCary would feel as though he should have won for it instead, even though The Awful Truth is also fantastic, but in a completely different way. Uh, So I get why the Academy gave it to The Awful Truth. It's very much more 1937 Hollywood, Uh, but I respect McCary for basically getting up there and saying, you know what? Thanks, but y'all overlooked the better of my films just because it's not what you're accustomed to. So thanks, but bye. Um, So that's why Leo McCary is my number five uh, best speech for winning best director for 1937's The Awful Truth. You really threw it back. Holy hell. Yeah, and again, I haven't seen the speech. It's from the 30s, but um, I'm a big fan of Make Way for Tomorrow. And um, I actually recently just watched it. And uh, I also like The Awful Truth. And looking up these two movies, um, 
I found this little story and it really struck, struck me. And considering you had pitched this idea of Oscar speeches, I was like, hmm, I should look into that a little more. So uh, McCary is my number five. All right. Well, my first one, I'm not going back that far. I'm going actually back 30 years to Joe Pesci winning for Goodfellas. Um, Joe Pesci is on record as one of the shortest Oscar speeches of all time. And uh, his he got on stage. He said, uh, it's it's <laughs> I don't know why it just it makes me laugh. It's uh, he said something like it. It's my honor, thank you. Or it's my pleasure, thank you, and walks off the stage. And, you know, short speeches make history, weirdly. Like, a couple years ago, Merritt Weaver got on stage after she won an Emmy for a very worthy Emmy for Nurse Jackie. And um, she said, you know, thank you, oops, thank you, thank you, I gotta go, bye. And it was, like, the highlight of Emmy night. Um, and I don't know what it is about Joe Pesci just getting on stage and saying, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And walking off because, you know, Rita Moreno and Patty Duke also very famously had very short speeches with them saying literally, thank you. And walking off the stage, or I can't believe it. And then walking off the stage. And the reason I didn't choose them and I chose Joe was because here you had a quote unquote overdue actor who was really only on his second Oscar nomination. Um, But he was beloved by the industry and critics and fans alike. Going into Oscar night that night, Bruce Davidson, for for longtime companion, was the the front runner. Um, He had won the Globe and, I believe, a couple of the Critics Awards. So Joe Pesci kind of winning this came out of nowhere. Um, And so when you you have that quote-unquote upset win, and then... It's this legend who's still in his prime and is considered a legend at that point. You're expecting this big old, like, over-the-top celebration, and Joe just could not care less. And that is what I love about it. Um, I just think it's fantastic, and it's one of those speeches that, despite its length, is just iconic. So I have to go Joe Pesci at five. You have been listening to a clip from one of our Academy Queens bonus episodes. If you would like to hear all of this episode and the rest of our sensational bonus content, please prance on over to patreon.com slash academyqueens and join our queendom.